Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecast Podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy Friday, everyone. Apologies for not getting this episode out. Been a little busy. If you've been on thebigspur.com, we've had a lot of activity to follow. And I rarely do this. And, uh, you know, wish I'd have done this when my voice was shot a couple of weeks ago. And I sounded like uh, Froggy from Little Rascals. But uh, we got a guest in with us today. And uh, it's a kind of a reunion Friday, if you will. Keith Allset from the Lot on the Gamecast Podcast. Uh, is going to see right, it'll be right here. There's so much to talk about, guys. Uh, I could sit here and monologue for an hour and 30, but uh, wanted to bounce some things off Keith, and Keith bounces some things off me, and it's a nice little thing. And you guys get a little treat uh, heading into uh, what I've, I've started to call championship weekend in college football, three straight years, championship weekend. So I got big plans tomorrow. Keith Allsup, uh Big plans tomorrow, I guess, for you too. Watching some, watching some ball championship weekend. JC, always a pleasure to be on Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I mean, so I'm starting today. I mean, uh, you know, for the folks that desperately want Shane Beamer to make a change at offensive coordinator like me, uh, you get to see Zach Kitley, one of the up and coming uh, guys. Evil Geniuses uh, at Western Kentucky. They are in San Antonio tonight to play Jeff Trailer's UTSA team, and they're favored. And uh, team you, uh, fans can catch that on the CBS Sports Network at 7 o'clock Eastern. And then you got the rematch, Mario Cristobal and the Ducks, who got absolutely boat raced. <laughs> The last time they squared off against the Utes, the Utes, Your Honor. Uh, <laughs> I always think about that. Uh, Oregon and Utah in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. And uh, Gamecock women's basketball playing a very intriguing Kansas State team who 
boast of six foot six and six foot seven post players who are both really good. Do you see your girl Kim Mulkey pulled a big upset over Iowa State the other day, Keith? <laughs> Keith loves Kim Mulkey. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it is. That, that is intriguing, Kansas State. But Dawn Staley, and, and, and for those of you that aren't women's basketball fans, uh, we're going to get to the, the the good stuff here in a second. But I did want to ask you this: I, I was I was thinking about this the other day, Keith. She schedules really, really well, and it's not just that she's out there scheduling UConn and uh, the NC States of the world and all that. Like she'll play a team that that maybe is a little off the radar, like a Kansas State, uh, and when they're cycling up and they end up being pretty good. And yeah, you know, the SEC is still the best women's basketball conference, in my opinion. I think that gets those girls ready, uh, you know, and, and I, it was just a thought that dawned on me, you think, no pun intended, uh, dawned on me. <laughs> uh, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, Kansas State, they lost one of their best players. Uh, I believe her last, Christiane Carr, she transferred out. Uh, but the the big 6'6 six, six post player, uh Ayoka Kim, I believe is her name. She's 6'6". She averages 24.5 points, 11.6 rebounds, and 4.1 block shots per game. Uh, and their reserve center is uh, looks like a 6'7", Eastern European or Norwegian player that puts up good numbers too. And, you know, that's an intriguing matchup with uh, Boston and Cardoso. Uh, but you're absolutely right, JC. And so the Gamecocks get Kansas State as a part of the SEC Big 12 challenge. And then the next three games are against top 10 Maryland, who was ranked number two. They had a couple of injuries and dropped back-to-back games. Then on the road at Duke against Carol Lawson, fresh off uh, Duke is fresh off an upset of number nine, Iowa, and then back at home against Stanford in a rematch of that national semifinal last year. And so a very challenging uh, schedule for Dawn Staley. I think she wanted to, you know, trial by fire for the freshman, but they did return every single player off of that final four team. And so the next couple of Games could be tricky. Destiny Henderson has an injury that could keep her out tonight, and and moving forward, we'll just have to see. And uh, Gamecocks are going with an NBA style deal, uh, inserting Letitia Ami here at six foot four to be the point forward uh, and basically run the point. NBA style, yeah, man. That's a uh, that game has. Taller players now are just so skilled these days uh, in the NBA. It's, it's, it's interesting. All right. Well, thanks for the update on women's basketball, Keith. I, I know that a lot of my listeners, I just, you know, it's not that I, I don't know a lot about it, you know, and I, I'll talk about that. And that's our news and notes segment, by the way, brought to you by Heritage Digital. You heard the ad at the top of the show. Thank you very much uh, for them, for their sponsorship uh, and all the love they showed us all year. Don't forget, guys. Uh, if your internet's bad at work, you're losing money. You're, you're, you're hemorrhaging money, and they can take care of that. 
without the attitude, uh, with the service that you want uh, for a very, very low monthly fee. It's a turnkey solution. So please be sure uh, to contact my friend Matt Odom at Heritage Digital. And uh, this next segment, uh, which is the analysis segment, this is going to go long. Uh, no iHelp Consulting mail by, but we'll get to iHelp Consulting here in a little bit. We're gonna not, not very many questions, so I'm going to save those for uh, the next uh, next episode. I will talk about iHelp Consulting here in a minute, but Cindy Searfoss, Realtor from Spartanburg, my hometown. Listen, the real estate market is nuts right now. It's, it's up and down, seller's market, buyer's market. People don't know which way's up. Uh, but chances are, if you're going to sell your house, you're, you're going to make a pretty good profit. And the person to help you navigate all this, if you're in Oconee, Pickens, Anderson, Greenville, Spartanburg, Cherokee, Union, is my friend, Cindy Searfall. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate over 35 years and can help you with all of your real estate needs. So contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email her, csearfoss, that's C-S-E-A, R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. If you didn't catch that email, it's probably just best to hit or sell up. That's again, 864-414-5271. Thank you to Cindy Searfoss, who sponsored our prediction segment all year and now is the sponsor of our analysis segment. Okay, Keith, lots going on. Um, first and foremost, and this is kind of more of a news thing, but uh, broke some uh, scoop today. Uh, on the bigspur.com uh, about the bowl game coming up, and we'll find out for sure on Sunday. And I'll, I'll say this these bowl games can change. I remember in 09, Carolina was playing Pitt in the uh, frozen pizza bowl in Birmingham. And then uh, the day of it, it's like, oh, it's UConn. So, you know, th- these things do change. But right now, Keith, the uh, projection uh, is South Carolina and North Carolina in the uh, what's now called the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. Uh, in Charlotte uh, on December 30th. Uh, you know, to me, I think that that matchup presents an opportunity. Uh, I think that uh, it's it's really not like a bowl because it's right up the road against a – it's almost like a regular, regular old game because it, it, it does mean something. Um, you know, and it's against the Tar Heels. And uh, for those of you – uh, that aren't old school Gamecocks that don't remember the ACC days and that bitter rivalry. And uh, there are quite a few of you out there. Uh, I'll just say this North Carolina is a problem right now for South Carolina on the recruiting trail. Uh, had the loss in 2019, maybe a chance for redemption. Keith, your thoughts about that potential matchup. Well, JC, I had uh, Brad Lawing on my show on Wednesday, and he was screaming from the mountaintops for that game and uh, think South Carolina and North Carolina ought to play every year. And I think this is a major opportunity for Shane Beamer, particularly if Sam Howell opts out of that game. Uh, Bo Corrales, one of their starting wide receivers already in the portal, uh, North Carolina, a disappointing six and six season. And uh, really, Mac Brown outdoored Dave Doran last uh, Friday night when North Carolina played NC State with a 30 to 21 lead with uh, two minutes and 12 seconds to go. And just disaster uh, for the uh, Tar Babies uh, after that. <laughs> 
and they end up losing that game. And Sam Howell could opt out. And if you're Shane Beamer, you love this game because you can get 23 and 24 uh, maybe some late deciding 22 prospects potentially to come to bowl practices. It's in Charlotte, and you want to be able to say, hey, South Carolina is the only serious Carolina that's about football. Come play for us. We just put it on the Tar Heels. I mean, that is the opportunity, uh, and it's a, you know, a potential statement game for South Carolina. Now, if Sam Howell plays, it could be problematic, but you never know what you're going to get in a bowl game, JC. It's like Lou Holt said, you know, you never have the same team two weeks in a row, and it's really, you know, what team do you have and how motivated are you to play in that game? I mean, last time Carolina went to the belt bowl, you know, you, you have a team, and I know Debo Samuel did opt out, but that – that offense that year, Keith, was was more than Debo. Um, you know, you had Jake Bentley still there, Shy Smith still there. I think Brian Edwards is still there. Good running backs. And uh, you go up there and you play a Virginia team that did not really have a quality win at all. Every good team Virginia played beat them at a weak schedule. And Bronco Mendenhall, who actually uh, resigned for Virginia, surprisingly, yesterday, Bled them to death. Carolina had what 17 minutes of possession in that one and uh 28 nothing. So so you just never know. I mean, nobody thought UConn would beat Carolina in a bowl. Nobody thought uh Carolina would beat Michigan in 2017. I mean, it just it just happens like that. And I know that I know, and look from a fan standpoint, I, I'll say this and, and, and the logistics for that bowl game are gonna be a pain in the the backside because uh it's at 11, I think 11, 11.30 on the 30th, which is a Thursday, which is a work day, downtown Charlotte, you know, because you, you're going to want to go tailgate and get there at 9. Well, you're going to get traffic, uh, that Degum Road that goes around Charlotte on the free with the Belk Freeway or whatever. But uh, I, would, I would encourage – and I know nobody wants to play up there right now. Uh, I know they've been there a lot, but I would, I would encourage Gamecock fans, um, you know – to think about, think about it from the standpoint of like we just talked about it, the, an opportunity. Um, because I, I'll say this, it, it'll be a hell of a lot better offseason after what happened last Saturday against Clemson uh, to ride into the offseason at seven and six and a redemption win over North Carolina in a bowl uh, as Shane Beamer continues to move forward. Now, there's a chance, uh, Keith, that uh, they play – you know, you told me this earlier. I'll, I'll get you good. And there, there's a chance for another opponent, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Hokies are completely out of the conversation. And that's another opportunity because South Carolina under Shane Beamer uh, are targeting, you know, the state of Virginia, Maryland. Obviously, Gamecocks are in the state of Delaware, District of Columbia. You know, I know Shane Beamer had a lot of success uh, pulling players out of the DMV to Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, only two things from Oklahoma. And uh, I think we know what those are. Uh, oil and tornadoes. And uh, dust back during uh, the Grapes of Wrath era. 
in Oklahoma. And also, Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, and I don't know, maybe West Oklahoma or whatever, that's the setting for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, I thought it, it looked a lot like Arizona, but it, it ended up being Oklahoma and they talked about it. So we'll find out the bowl scoop or bowl destination for sure on Sunday. They have a press conference, I think it's 6 p.m. Um, for that. And, you know, uh, like I said, it, it, it looked like the Liberty Bowl, but guys, keep in mind too, when you talk about these bowl games, um, and this is something we all have to do is evolve. I mean, you know, I'm dealing with the transfer portal right now as a recruiting guy, and it's kind of blowing my mind because sometimes what you think about high school recruiting isn't applicable to the portal and, and all that. So you, you really have to, as college football evolves, we have to kind of change our, our mindsets. Well, you know, it used to be the athletic directors had a big sway, the bowls, would cut the deals with the schools. You did have conference tie-ins and, you know, but I guess, gosh, when did it start? About 2014? I think 2014, the first year of the playoff was when this first started. The SEC office decides. they And they, and, and look, there's been times, uh, I'll tell you this, 2016 Muschamp's first year, the Charlotte Bowl wanted to match the Hokies and the Gamecocks. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Birmingham sent Arkansas to Charlotte. The Gamecocks ended up going to Birmingham right there. Uh, in 2018, the Gator Bowl wanted the Gamecocks. The Gamecocks wanted the Gator Bowl. Nah, nah, uh, uh, uh. So the Gamecocks to Charlotte, Texas A&M to Jacksonville. So that's just, uh, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. Is it, There's the folks at, at Birmingham, and, and I'm convinced, too, it's not just phones ringing in Birmingham on Bull Selection Day. I think there's phones ringing in Bristol, uh, Bristol, Connecticut as well. Uh, I think ESPN, obviously, television is king in college football now, and I think they play a big part. But, you know, hey, look, either one of those teams, uh, especially if it's North Carolina, but, you know, Virginia Tech is good. And, and you know, and look, whoever it is, Gamecocks still have a chance to play these teams in the future. They play North Carolina again in 2023 to open the season. They play the Hokies in Atlanta in 2025. Gamecocks will make their first appearance at the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think with Sam Howell, the Gamecocks will be an underdog to the Tar Heels significantly maybe. Uh, I think they match up well with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's best offensive player, Trey Turner, is out. Uh, they have an interim coach. They now have a new coach, Brent Pry. Um, they have not had a great year. They're in transition. Uh, and so Beamer against his old alma mater. And, and, you know, when we talk about TV, Keith, I, I, I don't know. I think for programming wise, you know, Frank Beamer, you know, that's a good, that's a good uh, interview during that game there in Charlotte. Right. Oh, Frank, who's he going to pull for, you know? Uh, and so that's going to be, uh, that would be interesting. All right. So <sighs> recruiting and you know, this is all evolving, uh, and I wanted to talk about it uh, because I did report earlier this week that there's been a Spencer Rattler talk. For those that don't know who Spencer Rattler is, he, you know, five-star quarterback out of Arizona, uh, lit it up at Oklahoma last year, got beat out this season by Caleb Williams, you know, before Lincoln Riley left. He hit the portal. Uh, and I did report Gamecock fans should kind of chill out about it because he was going to Arizona State. And he was. Well, Jaden Daniels, the very good quarterback for the Sun Devils, 
uh, surprisingly decided Keith, he wasn't going to go pro and he came back and Rattler wants to go somewhere he can play, you know, see, so there's all this talk. And, and these days there are Vegas odds, uh, about transfers. And it, it amazes me that we've got that. I think the next thing is people are going to start betting on recruits. Uh, it's all offshore betting, but, uh, there's still odds. And, uh, I, I, you look at it and after Arizona state's out of the picture, they were like minus 300s. They were the favorite. All of a sudden it's Ole Miss plus 200, South Carolina plus 250. And Ole Miss, Keith, is getting a quarterback already. They kind of got their guy lined up, right? Uh, So finally, you know, as with anything, there's stuff all over blogs and social media and stuff. Checked it out today. Contact indicates Rattler is – there's smoke there. Um, he's not visiting this weekend. That was a rumor there. I don't think they're going to have any visitors this weekend. Austin Stogner, the Oklahoma tight end transfer, uh, was kind of at the end of the week this week. I heard that went really well. I'd say the Gamecocks have a great shot at landing him. Uh, but that next weekend, you know, I'll just say this right now, there's one scheduled visitor that's, uh, high school wide receiver, Camden Brown, who used to be a pick commit, who, decommitted this week he's Auburn this weekend Carolina next scheduled right now because Georgia offered him like 10 minutes ago so we'll see see if the boys in Athens do anything with him uh and that's it but I'll tell you this right now per per a source uh the staff has been told and that's everybody the recruiting staff the coaching staff off the field on the field whatever everybody in the building has been told by Shane Beamer and everybody else all hands on deck for what's supposed to be a big recruiting weekend next weekend. Don't think they'd be doing that, Keith, if there was just one guy. No, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, Spencer Rattler, he's kind of a polarizing kind of quarterback. I mean, he was very, you know, selfish. He didn't have a team-first attitude at Oklahoma to me. Uh, that's something that, you know, would have to be discussed. I mean, I think South Carolina is going to be involved with a lot of other portal quarterbacks. I mean, I think it would be interesting to see if, you know, Max Johnson left LSU now with all the connections to that high school and the fact that his brother is a 2022 four-star tight end. And Zeb Nolan's dad is the high school coach there. That could be interesting. Uh, you know, if you're Shane Beamer, I do think you've got a great opportunity because guys love playing for him. And so if you can get these guys in the portal on campus around your players that love playing for the head coach and love the culture, I think South Carolina's got an opportunity to make much more of a splash this year in the portal versus last year simply because of what Shane Beamer's done establishing a culture over the last 12 months at South Carolina. I mean, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, Austin Stogner, he's already on campus. I'm sure he knows Spencer Rattler, probably that big offensive tackle from Oklahoma that just went in the portal and, you know, some five-star wide receivers from Oklahoma that are in the portal as well and everywhere, not just, you know, North Carolina, uh, the wide receiver that's in the portal that was their starting 
one of their starting bow uh, Canalis or Corrales. He's in the portal. I mean, there's all kind of guys in the portal. And uh, I think if you're South Carolina, you have to really hit it hard this year. Yeah, especially in positions that you need. Receivers uh, so good. And I'll, I haven't mentioned this. I have not mentioned this on the big spur because it, it's sort of speculation. I haven't really confirmed anything about it, but there is a wide receiver, guys, believe it or not, at South Carolina State. And I, I know everybody's like, oh, no, don't groan. Uh, go look at the NFL numbers. Our two of the best defensive players in the league are from South Carolina State. Uh, but there is a guy, a, a receiver, about 6'5", 215, who's originally from Somerville. Uh, let you guys kind of sniff around and figure out who that is because I don't know. I know he's graduating. He could go in the portal. His uh, freshman film is on YouTube if you watched it, and that's another guy to keep an eye on. But there's there's literally going to be a wide net cast. It's uh, They've got to have guys at receiver. If they can get tackles, great. I know those are hard. Um, and, and, and look, nothing against Luke Doty, Jason Brown, Colton Gother, whoever, but I think it will be very beneficial for South Carolina to have a, you know, a guy that can come in and be the quarterback for a year and let those other guys develop. I don't, now, now with Brown, obviously he's running out of time, but, uh, Luke Doty specifically, you know, I, I'm not saying he couldn't be the starter next year. I'm just saying, I think that guy probably needs another year. Uh, to kind of develop and and all that with all that's happened to him and, you know, all that. I'll, I'll say this about Rattler, Keith, and, you know, I'm kind of with you. I, I think if you can do the two-for-one with the Johnston kids, man, that that's super because that, that gives you a stud elite freshman tight end. Uh, Jake Johnson, for those guys that don't know, he's ranked number one in the country. He's ahead of Oscar Delp in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Um you know, out of the state of Georgia, of course, he's the son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson. And then his brother Max was the starter at LSU this year. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm with you there. I also think this um, because I think a lot of us are anticipating a change in terms of offense and scheme and offensive coordinator. Let's say that doesn't happen. Something crazy happens, and it doesn't happen for whatever reason, okay? And I'm not saying, you know, again, I'm leaning toward change strongly, very strongly. Uh, I, I think that you have no chance with Spencer Rattler trying to run whatever South Carolina, whatever you call what they were trying to run this year. Uh, because of the complexities, you know, his big thing this year at Oklahoma was he struggled to read defenses. They had to kind of change things up over last year. Obviously, last year, nobody played defense in college football, especially in the Big 12. Uh, gun it and go. They lost some receivers, so he had to kind of do different things. Didn't work out. I can't imagine him being successful in, in with, with the current, current uh, situation. Now, Max Johnson, keep in mind, at LSU, uh, played for the other guys that came from the Panthers, uh, which who were equally bad. Um, and so if you're talking about system and stuff like that, you have to think there's probably a lot of crossover there. Uh, plus, man, you know, Jake, his younger brother, uh, is, is a stud, <laughs> you know, and, and, and South Carolina's tight end room, you know, folks may think, look at it and go, oh, well, South Carolina's got all these players, Jaheim Bell, Kibiamons. Well, well, let me just break it down. So Muse is gone, right? 
Kevion Mullins right now, guys, just don't – I know he, was, he had some, some moments, and I know he's fast and a great athlete. Uh, you just got to hope at some point the light comes on kind of like it did for Trey Kenyon because right now he doesn't project to play. Jaheim Bell will probably be moved to receiver where, he, where quite frankly, 98% of the folks that – know who he is think you know yes he's a guy you move around and stuff like that but but primarily he's a receiver he should have been a receiver this year uh to be honest ahead of some other folks i don't want to be get into who he should have been ahead of you guys can figure that out but uh yes you know so so you move him out uh and that leaves trey Kenyon. uh and then if they get stogner from oklahoma that's two guys and you know even in you know, Spurrier's offense, that there were, there were multiple tight end sets. Those are very popular. So you need depth. You need guys there. So you, if you throw Jake Johnson into that room, so, so then all of a sudden you got Stogner, you got Jake Johnson, and you got Trey Kenyon, uh, and then whoever else, you know. And so I, I, I think that that's, uh, that's a position that maybe we all sit there. And, oh, I forgot about Eric Shaw. Uh, this is a Mother Nature thing. Eric Shaw has been practicing at receiver because he – he can't gain weight, um, and that's kind of sometimes the risk you run. Most in ninety percent of the cases, kids with big frames like that will fill out, but sometimes they can't. Uh, like Darius English, you remember that guy? I mean, good senior year because he finally got to like two forty five. It just took him that long. Um, so you can't really count on Shaw either, even though it has nothing to do with talent or work ethic or anything like that. So that that room definitely needs help. We know the receiver room needs help. Keith, I'm here in Josh Van is probably coming back. Um, and then, of course, Antonio Williams is out there. So, so this whole thing, when you mix portal with, you know, some key freshmen and some guys coming back, and, you know, South Carolina has a good shot at keeping at least most of its backfield intact, the running back position. All of a sudden, you throw a new scheme in there. Uh, things look a little different for, for Shane Beamer and his offense in, in year two. Yeah, I agree. I mean – I'll be surprised if Josh Van comes back to me. That's a very interesting uh, development. Um, I mean, he certainly had a good year. And, you know, I think Jalen Brooks, his career's over at South Carolina, right? DeCary and Joyner. Mm. But, I mean, if you had Jaheim Bell and Josh Van and you could nab somebody you know, multi, you know, a couple of really stud guys out of the portal. And you got Landon Sampson coming in who has an incredibly high floor. And some people believe he's the best player in this class that are inside that building. I mean, he's a legit 4-4 guy, JC, at 6-1 with a 38-inch vertical leap. And he plays at a big-time program, and he's been coached by a former college wide receiver in Raleigh Dodge. I mean, a great route runner. So, I mean, then you add a portal quarterback in that backfield and all of a sudden you're kind of cooking with grease. I'm with you, brother. I mean, like, look, I'll say this about Jadon Hasselwood. You know, and he, when he came out, he's a five-star guy. And, you know, sometimes guys, you look at them and you're like, ah, they're five stars, but do they have any upside and all this other stuff? This dude was legit. He was like 
to me, talent-wise, Keith, and I, I saw him in an all-star game, I think, when he came out, um, was one of those guys like Alabama signs or whoever. You know, taller guy, can run. He did go to Oklahoma. Uh, I'll say this about him. You know, I know South Carolina is highly interested in him. Uh, he went to Bryson Allen Williams High School, Cedar Grove. Um, Arkansas has him on campus this weekend. Arkansas's running backs coach, interesting guy, Jimmy Smith, uh, a Darlington native, uh, was on Sean Elliott's first couple of staffs at, at Georgia State before the pit boss hired him as a running backs coach out at Arkansas. He was the head coach at Cedar Grove for 12 years, athletic director. Um, and again, native of Darlington, South Carolina. So that, that's interesting. Um, he's kind of evolved into their stud recruiter uh, out there for the pit boss at, at Arkansas. And because of his relationship with Hasselwood, who's from Cedar Grove as well, you know, they, I would say they are kind of in the, the the fast lane. But you start talking about former teammates and people like that, maybe heading somewhere else. Uh, maybe that's, you know, maybe you don't want to get on the plane and go to Northwest Arkansas Airport and uh, eat at the catfish hole. Maybe you just want to go right down I-20 uh, and come play with your boys in Columbia. So, and, that, and, and, and look, I – People are latching on to Hasselwood because he's a five-star and all that, and that's a name. And, and I want to tell you, he he would excite me personally because I know what kind of talent he is. Um, he's he had some injuries and things like that that have kept him kept him down. Um, but like you said earlier, Keith, there are a lot of different options. You know, I mentioned the guy from South Carolina State earlier uh, to kind of fill out this receiving core. I've always been told, don't expect all these guys at receiver to come back. There's going to be guys going out, and then they're going to try to get guys to come in. I mean, I'm all for it. You know, I think uh, the kid from St. Thomas Aquinas canceling his visit to Arizona and moving it up to South Carolina. Gamecocks get the last shot with him, JC. And, I mean, he's a big six-foot-four, 200-plus-pound a guy, Camden Brown, that had a great senior year, was behind other stud players previously at St. Thomas Aquinas, just like every other position. And, um, you know, I I don't know about Antonio Williams. Shane Beamer has got the last in-home visit. Um, You know, I'm of the belief of uh, Ellis Johnson and – I won't mention the other guy that's on Corn's show with him because I know you have a long-standing feud. <laughs> but he was a former college coach at South Carolina and Clemson, just like Ellis. They both felt for the good of the program and for recruiting, and in particular for the guy up the road at Dutch Fork that Satterfield should have been fired the Sunday morning after the Clemson game. And after an absolute abysmal performance i mean 103 yards on 37 plays through three quarters and no snaps in the red zone until the last play of the game and the only two drives you had it on clemson's side of the field was the very last plays of the first half and the very last few plays of the game i would have liked to seen him out but Shane Beamer's got a plan, and we'll see what it is. Sure. Yeah, I can't imagine him coming back, but 
until it happens, you you have to kind of crack the door a little bit uh, for it, you know, and I've been pretty adamant that I thought that was what was going to happen. I've, I've been pretty adamant too, you know, that that needed to happen. I could have made a case for it after the Tennessee game, Keith. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, that, that that's the deal there. And, you know, that may, may definitely impact it. But I talked to people that are involved with that and, uh, for the Gamecocks, and, and they're they're not conceding the kid, and they actually still think they're right up there, you know. And I, I think sometimes Keith, it it gets, you know, with social media and stuff, and and, and because that Clemson game was deja vu, uh, and I'm going to get to that subject of deja vu and Carolina athletics here in a second. You know, you just got whipped thirty nothing, and then you look on on social media, and and there's Dabo smiling at you and there's cj Smil- spiller smiling at you and there's tyler grisham smiling at you and they're in the living room smiling and everybody's smiling and the christmas tree is lit up and you just you're like you know and look i'm saying I, if my crystal ball has been on carolina since way like in the summer um he asked me right now i think he is going to clemson i, I think that that's a dream school of his their success speaks for itself they're selective within the state, and it's almost – I think a lot of people thought maybe that would work against them, but it's almost worked in favor because now it's like this big deal. If You you almost feel like you're uh, – I think some kids like feel like, oh, I'm better than everybody else because they offered me or whatever. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, looking at their football team this year and their personnel, they need – they need an Antonio Williams. You know, you, you don't really – and sometimes Clemson doesn't, you know, like, well, they don't, they have such a good roster. They, they don't, that, that, that's, that's a need on that football team. Um, at the same time, you know, your sources, contacts, whatever you want to call it, uh, have not conceded. They feel good. I do think the kid's staying in state. I don't think for a, Mike Bobo was his contact at Auburn. Uh, you know, I know there's an old Miss connection there. Old Miss has been lukewarm about him, but I think Lane Kiffin's, crew is pretty loaded at receiver, um, you know, and they're getting more and more guys. Uh, so I do think he stays in state. Uh, so this is one of the rare times that uh, players come down to Clemson and Carolina uh, here in the last few years. So that, so that'd be good. But what you have to do, I think, if, if you're this, the Gamecocks, right, Keith? Uh, I mentioned earlier, we have to start thinking differently about recruiting because of the portal. Well, in previous years, you're like, oh, crap. You know, Antonio Williams, we lost him at the last minute. He was the number one overall player on the board. And this is assuming it happens. Like I said, he could still come to Carolina. So then you're like, oh, we got to go take a flyer on a guy. or We got to go find a Juco or something like that. You know, now it's like, well, you lost him. But you can go get somebody that could make an instant impact, probably maybe more ready to play than Antonio at this level. Uh, and then you take your shot at the next Antonio Williams. So, so it, I think the era we're in allows allows these high stakes recruiting battles, uh, especially when you're in a situation like the Gamecocks are at receiver, uh, to soften the blow a bit. And the other thing about it is this: keep in mind, uh, this doesn't necessarily apply to Antonio Williams, but more like the Oscar Delp situation. It's never a bad idea. Uh, even if you're not getting a guy to maintain an outstanding relationship because, Hey, Delp goes to Georgia. He can't get all, can't get on the field. You know, there's, 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 uh, you know, other talent there or whatever. So he hits the portal. 
What's the first school he's going to call? Who are you going to call? Gamecocks. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, you know. Uh, I had to pause because I saw that movie the other day. It was, it was really good. I recommend it. But, you know, so, so that's kind of a – it's kind of a new era and all that. And uh, so I think it's good. You mentioned Camden Brown. Like I said, Georgia offered him like 20 minutes ago. So uh, maybe – obviously, he's not visiting Athens this weekend. So maybe they get him in some other time. Uh, hopefully the dogs don't change his mind. I, Justin Stepp and he have a really good relationship. He he's a guy, big bodied guy, kind of like a Brian Edwards type. Um, as Keith mentioned, uh, you know, he was at Delray Beach uh, American Heritage before going to STA last year. Uh, Ole Miss signing Braylon Brown, Vanderbilt signing Quincy Skinner played ahead of him. Um, and then he grew and he got bigger and all this other stuff was committed to Pitt. Uh, Pitt does a great job of uh, evaluating players, um, and they've had a great year. They played a championship game tomorrow, but uh, you know, decommitted right after Step visited him. You know, uh, I think if you if you believe Auburn is in some kind of driver's seat, you're, you're probably reading a little bit of propaganda. I'm not saying they won't get him, but uh, you know, I, I think Carolina's right there as well. And I think for a kid from Miami, uh, you know, when you talk about Auburn, Alabama versus Columbia, South Carolina, and, and again, it just depends on what they want. Sometimes Columbia uh, is a little bit more uh, attractive, uh, but then at the same time, Auburn has probably a 25-year track record of hitting South Florida hard uh, and all that. I, I'll, I'll make a guarantee, though, uh, I think this kid's going to like Shane Beamer more than he likes Brian Harson. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, JC, I think things are trending. Like, I wasn't so sure, right? Like, Justin Stepp made the in-home visit on Tuesday. Then Auburn and uh, Arizona are in to see him and Florida State, and then all of a sudden he decommits. But then by the end of, you know, by yesterday at lunchtime, he was supposed to go see Jed Fish in Arizona next weekend, and he canceled that visit, scheduled the visit with South Carolina, and then said, I'm not waiting until February. I'm signing on the 15th. I mean, I do think FSU's a factor. He's visited there. Um, but, mm. you know, I mean, Georgia throws out offers all the time late, and they don't even talk to the guy. So, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, you know they do. It's true. No, no. I mean, who knows? I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, um, you know, Georgia obviously has a lot of, I guess, sizzle right now. You know, there's no question about it. Um, and, you know, the, the it's in Sometimes I remember Riley Ridley. You remember that? You know, uh, I think he, he too was from South Florida. So you kind of start thinking, ah, I don't know, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Georgia may be too late into the party. Um, I mean, Hazelwood I, was committed to Georgia. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, Keith, I think that, you know, the whole reason I would be a little concerned about it as a Carolina fan uh, or Carolina from a Carolina perspective 
uh, is that Georgia can't have him in for a visit. So Georgia can't say cancel the Auburn visit, right? Um, you know, because they're playing in a big game <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, so he's going Auburn. Uh, and then I think he's got uh, – well, look, it says he, he's made – it'll be his fourth. So, you know, maybe Carolina could bring – or maybe Georgia, maybe Georgia's weekend is going to be the 17th. Or something like that. So who knows? But I, I'll say this: can't Kevin Cam- after signing day? That's going to be a dead. That's period. right. That's right. You can't. I mean, you that. could. They could. You know, do like a midweek, midweek next week before the dead period. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I think this guy is the type of guy out of South Florida that can be a steal. You know, and I like, I, I like the way. I mean, this kid looks like a million dollars physically and can really play. So. Um, like and like I said, you know, he could end up being as good as the Jaden Gibson kid that uh, uh, Steph was recruiting from Orlando that ended up with the Gators. Uh, when all is said and done, okay, so that's recruiting. Um, for right now, uh, going to be a really interesting week uh, with Portal and other guys, and then you get into signing day, and then it shuts down. And I'm I'm sure the Gamecocks won't be completely done. I think they'll have. Uh, some interesting activities uh, in January as well. You got the bowl game coming up. And, uh, okay, so that, now I'm going to talk about this. So, Keith, I'm, I'm watching South Carolina play Coastal Carolina in basketball the other night. And I, uh, I have not been as critical of Frank Martin as some of us. I thought last year I was pretty honest about it, that maybe it was time for – the Gamecocks and Frank to go their separate ways. Um, did not like at all the politics that got involved with it and the the way the president handled it, uh, all that. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you this, pe- people can yell at Ray Tanner all they want. Um, and and I'll get to that in a second, but that that was that one what that one wasn't on him because he was ready to roll. I mean, he was ready to roll with the change. Uh, so I felt terrible about the basketball program for a while. Frank got some players out of the portal. Surprisingly, Cousinard and Bryant came back. Uh, surprisingly, Javon Benson came back. Didn't expect that either, and not that that mattered. But I like a lot of the players that he's got. Um, I've mentioned that. I, I thought that it was encouraging that, you know, the, a team like UAB comes back from 15 down and, and you still win. I thought it was encouraging that they they beat Wofford, who played them pretty well. I thought it was encouraging they beat Western. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I thought it was encouraging. Uh, now, I almost, uh, I almost went on vacation for like a month because Ryder went in and gave them all they want. Uh, but then they go to Coastal, and I'm like, okay, if you can beat Coastal on the road, it's probably at least a quad three win, uh, you know, because it's on the road uh, in there in that high school, the high school gym they have down there. Uh, the teal, the teal dungeon, um, and you know Carolina doesn't start well. Cousinard's out. Carolina comes back. They should have if Josh Gray doesn't miss a dunk. And boy, that guy—he—he's just got to learn how to put it in the hole. I mean, and, and and that's the right idea, Josh. Dunk it. Just don't miss the dunk. Um, and you're down thirty-six, thirty-five. So, 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 so things have kind of stable. Then the second half, it was literally effort-wise, execution-wise, skill-wise, coaching-wise, the worst half of South Carolina basketball I've seen in forever. And 
you can handle getting beat, but you just don't expect a team to not hustle and not try and throw up wild shots. And, you know, Keyshawn Bryant's out there trying to be a leader, but when you're throwing up crazy shots and all that and they're not falling, it's hard. Your voice kind of doesn't get heard. Very dis- – I mean, as, as down as I've been, you know, about Carolina basketball. Um, and after the game, I, you know, Frank Martin says, well, I told him we're going to take a 20 spot. And I, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, well, if I follow that in pregame warmups and my team got down and I was like, here we go. But then they fought their way back to within one, you know, maybe I'm like coming off that a little bit and saying, all right, well, we got them now, guys. I was wrong. But I mean, and I don't know what Frank told his team. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. And, According to Whittle, who was at the game, he didn't necessarily sit there like sometimes he does when he's trying to teach a lesson. But, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I wonder why it was even relevant what happened in pregame warmups when after you make a, a move and a run, you come out as flat as you do in the second half. Okay. You know, that kind of thing. But it was awful. It, it, was, it was inexcusable. You lose to Coastal Carolina 80 to 56. Uh, Keith and I were talking the other day about the one-three-one defense. Cliff Ellis throws at you, all that good stuff. Uh, just, it, just, just, just inexcusable. And so it led me to this. And Keith is going to tell you about Cliff Ellis, the co- coach at Coastal, because he knows him, and he's going to explain some X's and O's things to you in a second. Uh, and then Keith, I want you to comment on, on this, guys. I feel like, and, and I just realized this since, gosh, twenty thirteen. It's been about seven years. In the last seven years, it seems like we are all living through the same season in football, men's basketball, and baseball over and over and over and over. The exception being 30 days in 2017 in March when the Gamecocks went to the Final Four, uh, and then right back to the same old, same old. Uh, I know there's a new football coach this year, but did that game Saturday and this season not feel like the previous ones. And when there ever is any change, it, they don't cycle up. Again, the Final Four is the exception that one month. I, mean, I don't know if Frank Martin and Ray Tanner made a deal with the devil for that run or what. Uh, then things get historically bad. Uh, you know, like in baseball, the, the 28 and 22 a couple of years ago, or, or in basketball last season, uh, or in football, the 4 and 8 and 2 and 8. But then it cycles back. And it's the same old one step forward, two step back kind of deal. And you feel that you felt that way during the Clemson game football. Then you feel that way uh, during the Coastal game in basketball. It, it's like a WTF, you know. One, and the minute people start to believe, the minute this fan base starts to rally, the rug gets pulled out from underneath. And it's not. It, it was like that for Muschamp's entire football tenure. Okay, and and I don't think you know. I believe Shane Beamer can can write that. This is not about Shane versus Will or whatever, but you got to, you know, and sometimes when new coaches take over, the seasons are similar to, to the because you got the same players. This is about the athletic department and those three sports. And it is like Groundhog Day. And when you find when you wake up, uh, it's you are it's usually not even you waking up, you're just going into a nightmare and then you pop back into this. Uh, shroud of mediocrity where, you know, you're walking down the street and Ned Flanderson comes and harasses you yet again. Uh, and that is a reference to that movie, Groundhog Day. And um, I, I just, 
And now, now what's the answer? I don't know. Is it leadership? Is it, is it, is it, you know, there's a new president coming in allegedly. I think they're going to, you know, make that decision here pretty soon. I mean, it's, is, is it time for a new athletic director that can, you know, light fires under people is Ray doing that. It's not getting there. I mean, there's all these questions, but, but the, the point of it is Gamecock fans, boosters, uh, uh, people that care and love University of South Carolina, um, and th- th- that have seen some unprecedented success this since this, this, this century across the board, deserve better. You know, they don't deserve to be. You know, it, it's like serving a uh, you know a steak. Like Keith, you know, you and I went to Bohannon's at that time uh, in. Um, in, in San Antonio, it's like you get this great salad and you get the, and then they bring you like a baked potato and some parsley. Where's the steak? You know, it's that kind of tempting crap. And then you don't get a steak, you know, uh, and, and, and not just the fans, the coaches, the players, everybody. I mean, the, everybody involved, I believe, deserves better. And it's just like, it's like Groundhog Day. I mean, I literally sat there after that Coastal game and it hit me. I was like, we are living through the same season across the board uh, with the exception of historically bad years and uh, the one thirty days in March. Keith, your thoughts? Well, I'm pretty much on record as saying I think South Carolina's in basketball purgatory uh, as long as Frank Martin remains the coach. Uh, clearly – Cliff Ellis, I've known, gosh, since the 1980s when he was the coach at Clemson. I worked his camp uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And so Cliff Ellis, he's famous for the Charlie. That's what they call the one three one. They call it Charlie. Every clinic he's ever gone to, that's his topic because that is his go-to change-up from man-to-man is the one three one, and so JC he waited until after halftime to throw out Charlie on the Gamecocks, and it was like the Gamecocks were totally unprepared for it, and that led to like a I don't a unbelievable run by Coastal. They ran back out and and led by twenty, you know, and uh, at the under. You know, with like 12 and a half minutes to go, South Carolina made that big run to get back in it. And then the second half, Coastal started out on like a 8-0 run or 9-0 run to push it back to 10, and then it went to 14, and then 17, and then 18, 19, 20. And South Carolina was just out of sorts. And uh, so that was disastrous. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. So for me, if I was a candidate for president at the University of South Carolina, athletics certainly is, is the straw that stirs the drink. Obviously, there's a lot of concerns academically over the breakdown of communication, over the fact there's no provost. There's uh, several departments that are lacking heads of departments right now. I want full autonomy to be able to come in and Ray Tanner can retire. I want my own athletic director to come in and immediately begin an evaluation of the entire department 
And if this thing happens with them hiring the former provost at USC, who's now in your neck of the woods, uh, who's a native of Greece, uh, well, he's got a lot of uh, stuff going for him. But if he comes in, I won't, and I don't want Chance Miller, okay? No offense to Chance Miller. I want my own guy from outside, and I want to immediately begin a total evaluation of the athletic department because it has been historically bad the last seven, eight, nine uh, years since Ray Tanner's been athletic director, particularly against Clemson. And I think it's Frank Martin's time to go. And me personally, I don't want Ray, Han- Ray Tanner making that hire. And so I hope a new president is hired, uh, somebody that's not a mouth breather like James Caslin, and somebody that wants autonomy from the board of trustees uh, and somebody that's not going to be a yes man and simply rubber stamp whoever Eddie Floyd and his cronies want. They need a vision. All right, so that's a lot to unpack there, Keith, and uh, it's good stuff as always. Thank you. Uh, Look, man, I, I didn't know Cliff Ellis was still coaching. Okay. I, I didn't know that Cliff Ellis was still alive. I swear to God, I thought he left the earth a couple of years ago. I mean, I was like, was well, Cliff Ellis is still there. He, you know, he's been at Coastal 15 years. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he was at Auburn. He was very successful at Auburn. And they, yeah. ran, Char- they ran Charlie at Auburn. Chris Porter years. They were number one seed. Uh, I'll never forget. I was. 12 years old in a bowling alley on a, with, with a church group back in Spartanburg watching David Young from Greenville, South Carolina, drill a bunch of threes with Eldon Campbell and Dave Dell Davis. And they came back and beat LaSalle in the Sweet 16. That's the year they lost to uh, UConn on the last second shot up in the Sweet 16. But yeah, I thought Cliff Ellis was like in his 50s then. I guess he's like, he's like timeless, you know, uh, and still coaching and making beach music, you know. Um, and so that was shagging, just embarrassing. I, and look, shagging at the beach with Cliff and Davy Odom, all those guys—they're kind of the yeah, shag pack. That they, I'd like to. I, I, next time I'm in, man, if they ever did a beachfront concert out there at a, at a at an open beachfront bar, I'd I'd, I'd go. I'd put it. I'd, yeah, it'd probably go viral too. But uh, so so here's the thing about South Carolina athletics. I, I think that l- let's go back to when Mike McGee got there. All right, and at that point, it had been completely mismanaged and running running to the ground. Facilities were bad. Nobody had any, you know, good thoughts about what to do going in the SEC. Everybody's just kind of like we're happy to be there. And and, and McGee kind of he wasn't perfect. None of these guys are perfect. And but 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 he kind of he was like, all right, what I'm going to do is, what do we have? We got fans. You know, we, we've got, uh, you know, we can go get great coaches and we can give coaches some benefits and we may not even pay a whole lot, but we can do this, that, and the other. So, so he goes and hires everybody, you know, that and, and, and folks that had success. He hired Ray Tanner as the baseball coach. Uh, he hired Eddie Fogler as basketball coach. He had Bobby Crimmins, but then he got, you know, he's not hiring Steve Newt, you know. Um, he had an M.O. 
They did hire Brad Scott, and he learned his lesson, and the next two hires were Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier. And, 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 and see all these guys. So, so McGee had a purpose, right? Because South Carolina was spinning towards irrelevance at the end of the 90s in football. And, and you know, baseball was looking up, but he hadn't gotten his guy yet. So, so he had a purpose. So then Hyman comes in, uh, and, and I wasn't a big Hyman guy because I just – I didn't really like his – philosophy on a lot of things in terms of, uh, you know, I, I don't know. He just kind of seemed like a, a fussy school marm at times and was awkward and, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, wasn't, but, 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 but look, mate, let's make no mistake about it. Besides my personal preference, he made a lot of good things happen. He hired Don Staley. He, uh, built, they built a new baseball stadium. They, they, they revamped all the football facilities. Um, Built up an academic center. I mean, Eric Hyman, for what athletic directors actually do uh, with infrastructure, he did a lot. Now he pissed some people off with the prices, and, and maybe that's something somebody should consider uh, pricing at Williams Bryce, but uh, he served his purpose. So then Ray gets the job. And I think from a facility standpoint, uh, in terms of giving your coaches what they ask for, uh, in terms of salaries and, and especially in football, you know, I think Ray's done a good job. I, I, you know, we'll see how Shane Beamer works out. It's been his first year. I think so far so good, but Brad Scott and Will Muschamp also had bowls their first year at Carolina. Um, then Jim Carlin and Steve Spurrier did as well, but uh, you know, we'll see how it works out. I, I have some hope as we talked about earlier. Um, Frank's still here. Frank's been here. You know, uh, Tanner hadn't hired a, a, a basketball coach. The two baseball hires, I think you'd have to say, um, everybody would have hired Holbrook, including Eric Hyman. Uh, but, you know, Kingston, is that, you know, what's is that the best Carolina could have done? And I, I think right now you have to say no. I think right now you have to say no. Now, what could happen this year? Maybe Groundhog Day ends. But 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 I think I think at this point, uh, you know, regardless of if you want to fire Ray or replace him or whatever, he he ain't doing this too much longer, right? Um, he's almost vested in state retirement or whatever. I think he's got one more year because uh, he started his baseball coach in '97. He's not gonna be here too much longer. So so I think the key for the new president is go get an AD. You know, now the new president does have ties to USC, so maybe it is Chance Miller. But I think this, I think unless Chance Miller, if he if he gets the job, fine, rally behind him. But I need to see some vision. All right, so Mike McGee had a vision, Keith. I'm going to go hire great coaches. We're going to get some publicity. You know, we, we may not spur with a national championship, but we're going to turn it around. And then Hyman had a vision. Well, we're gonna we need to build the infrastructure to be like an SEC foot program, athletic program across the board. And then Tanner's taking it, and you know the success on the field hasn't happened, and they're kind of it feels like they're kind of stuck across the board in terms of the competition. But I think he set a precedent for hey, we're gonna give football money, you know. And people can say what they want about oh, it's only twenty five percent. Well, you know, there's nobody in the football program that's like walking away because Carolina won't pay him. Um, and so then I think it's time to, to, to get a guy in here, Keith, that's going to look at it and say, how can I take this across the board, especially in the, the three big sports, the men's sports? 
how can we build a championship level athletic department at South Carolina? And that's the next step. Cause you don't have to come in here and worrying about building a bunch of facilities. You, I would like to see them at some point, maybe think about building a new basketball arena, but that's another topic. Uh, you don't have to worry about building a lot of facilities. You know, you don't have to worry about an ability to go uh, attract coaches. Um, if you want, you know, especially in some sports, because you, you look and see, I mean, uh, so, so what's next, you know, what's going to take this athletic program now that everything is in place and credit to the other three guys, uh, to get to the next level. Maybe there are coaching changes that have to take place. Maybe this is better, but, but how do you do that? And I, I think that the, the timing right now, cause there's a season for everybody is to go get a visionary. Somebody's got to have a vision and a plan uh, for this athletic department to take it to the next level uh, and, and to make it competitive uh, and uh, competitive to great across the board uh, in all sports. I don't know who that is, but there are folks out there. Um, you know, you look at Mac Rhodes at Baylor. I'm not saying he would be the guy, but a guy like that. Uh, to where you know you, you're like you're not just sitting there waiting around. I mean, and and I think I think that's kind of what people get on Ray for because Ray is a baseball coach by trade, and you know you just kind of picture him sitting there watching that game the other night like he's got his foot up on the dugout chewing gum, you know. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it, that that's an optics thing, but optics sometimes when you're struggling matter. So that's my thing. Who who needs to take over? and have the vision. And then, like you mentioned, institutionally, how can you push for letting that guy do his job? And I'm with you. Athletics at South Carolina need to be autonomous from the board of trustees uh, and, and run by an oversight committee that does that reports directly to the president. Uh, and, and, and there are athletic departments across the country that are structured that way. They're private entities uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, to kind of get away from some of this uh, perceived or otherwise uh, influence uh, uh, with those folks that really need to just worry about running the academic end of the university. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so we'll see. JC, a lot of stuff going on while we're, we are recording this. Uh, lots of folks popping it. Uh, university of Miami is trying to hire Mario Cristobal. Well, they hadn't fired Manny Diaz yet. They're kind of becoming, they're pulling a, a, a louder there with uh, Auburn. Let's uh, bring Bobby Petrino in and have him there on the runway in the private jet and talk to him about the job while Tubbs is still our coach. And uh, Tyson Fu Manchin, I guess that's how you say it, He's hit the portal, as has Frank Ladson, four-star receiver in the portal. I would be interested in him if I was uh, Shane Beamer, but I think he's – is he the Miami kid? Former five-star five guy. He just he's, – he's talking about Clemson folks. Yeah, he's kind of um... – Culture shock. From Miami well, to Clemson. Yeah, he hadn't been healthy. And I mean, they like him, don't love him. That's interesting about the the the, the quarterback. I mean, he just couldn't stay healthy. I remember when he I remember he was interested in Carolina when he came out. I, I think heck, that may be a uh 
a a a boon for our, our boy Jim Mora Jr. Who, geez, geez, he took the UConn job, man. So <laughs> you know, I, I I'd want him to come home. But that's interesting. You know, Clemson's uh, Dabo's going, and, and this is not a Clemson podcast, but Dabo's going to have to get in the portal. He's going to have to. He's got to back off of of being Dabo and, 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 and all that much respect for the idea of what he's done, but you know, he hadn't changed. They haven't changed the game's changed. And, and so they're going to have to do it. Um, I almost want to whisper that so that nobody hears me. So maybe he won't because <laughs> that's not, it's not going to help them, but uh, that's the deal there. That's interesting. Mario Cristobal thing. Stay out of the portal. Stay out of the portal. <laughs> You can't be all in if you get in the portal. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's what Miami should do, right? And, and I did read, I think it was either Feldman or, or somebody from the Athletic, they were talking coaching carousel. And they said Miami behind the scenes is, is maybe looking at Crystal Ball or Kiffin or whatever. And, but if they can't work a deal with one of those two guys – they're going to uh, just stay with Diaz. And I'm like, gee, all right, man. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess they got busted on it, you know, but th- there's people refuting that. I mean, it, look, Mario's coaching tonight, right, with his Ducks. Uh, but Mario Cristobal's a Miami guy. Uh, and, if, and according to these reports, they got the money to pay him. So uh, Uncle Luke or whoever must have stepped in, you know, people that can Because Miami does have rich that's a big buyout, though, my man. You know? he just signed that long extension. What is it like? Seven million? It's seven or eight million. Ah, they could get, they could pass around a hat to some of those guys. I mean, you know, they don't have the TV money to do it like South Carolina would. And actually, that buyout from Muschamp didn't didn't come from TV money, but uh, it's uh, you know. They do have rich alums that are sick of losing, kind of like Southern Cal, you know, caged animal syndrome. We're tired of sucking. We're Miami. Let's go get the guy. Now, Miami's set up differently, and then they may never come back. But uh, if they are, I think Cristobal is the guy that's going to do it. Um, And we'll see sort of what happens with that moving forward. Again, Oregon, Utah tonight in the Pac-12 championship game. I bet he's really happy about that, like that that broke today. So, anyway, that's good. Well, Keith, any more final thoughts before you have final thoughts on the the events of this week and moving forward and all that good stuff? Well, I mean, it's going to be a sprint to early signing day. You know, Jay Sean Barham, Stone Blanton, James Pierce – Camden Brown, you know, there's still a lot of guys out there for South Carolina, DeAndre Martin, uh, Ramon Brown, the four-star running back commitment to Virginia Tech. Uh, Bowl, you know, we'll know for certain on Sunday on the Bowls Championship Saturday, J.C., Mm. is going to be absolutely riveting. I mean, rivalry Saturday just unbelievable games from Ohio State, Michigan, the Iron Bowl, Bedlam, a lot of great football, and, uh, you know, very intriguing times for Shane Beamer 
uh, as we see, you know, what can they make happen in the portal? What happens and when with Marcus Satterfield? Uh, and who and where is South Carolina playing in their bowl game? And then, you know, you got Frank Martin. Georgetown. Frank Martin versus Patrick Ewing. And Georgetown's oh, not Mark, Mark Turgeon was fired today by yeah. Maryland. Poor um, Bruce Shingler went up there. Yeah, yeah. I, I got. He is he the interim? Who's the interim coach? Is it is it not Shingler? I don't know who it'll be. Um, you know, Turgeon. He left Texas A and M. He was with okay. Roy Williams at Kansas, and uh, left Texas A and M to go up there. But it's been a very mixed bag for him, and you know, I have to wonder if. Things don't get better for South Carolina before conference play if Ray Tanner considers uh, doing something like that. It's more rare in basketball than it is in football these days. But, uh, you know, that surprised me about Turgeon. Because, oh, Day, oh, I forgot that Damon Evans is the AD at Maryland. This shouldn't surprise me because he's a clown. But uh, – or he was at Georgia. Yeah, he's still a clown. Uh, but uh, – Look, man, they had been in the NCAA tournament one, two, three. They were going in the COVID year, too. So one, two, three out of four, four to five, five out of six, six out of seven, okay, in the NCAA tournament. Now, their record wasn't great last year, but they went to the second round, transitioning into the Big Ten from the ACC. That's a different style of basketball. I, You know, I – did they pull the trigger too quick? I don't know, man. I mean, he didn't start off well. It went NIT first three years was all he did. But, I mean, Maryland's got standards in basketball. I understand that. They're a national champion. They won a national championship 20 years ago under our boy Gary Williams, who I liked a lot, who's a Maryland grad. And, uh, you know, I, I know that. You know, being in the Big Ten is different than when they were in the ACC. But man, I just shoot, Keith. I don't, I don't know that that was the right call to make. And you have to wonder: is there more to the story? Um, you know, in, in this situation. So, uh, will Carolina make a move in the middle of the year? It just kind of depends on how things go. I could definitely see a Dave Odom uh, type of. Um, remember Dave Odom retired in January uh, and then he coached it out. I don't, I don't see if there's a separation, Frank Martin coaching it out, probably the Chuck Martin show for the remainder of the year, but give, uh, give Chuck a shot. He's a very experienced guy who's been with some very successful people. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't see it happen. I think, I think what Frank would do is take it upon himself to resign and say, so, um, you know, he'll say something like he had, he wasn't able to reach these guys, you know, because that's what he that's that's what he does. But uh, shoot, man, I mean, they're five and two. Uh, that loss to Coastal again. I'm never coming off the fact that was one of the most embarrassing moments in Gamecock recent Gamecock athletics history. Not because they lost, but how they lost and who they lost to. I mean, that that, that, that was not they didn't compete. And that's inexcusable. You know, nobody's, I mean, it, it looked like rec league ball. It looked, Carolina was out there playing rec league ball, okay? But 
I've seen basketball teams turn it around. I've seen basketball. I saw Eddie Fogler's SEC championship team lose to uh, Virginia by 23, UNC Asheville Coastal by 14, Clemson 58-39. And then, boom, they go 15-1 in the SEC. Now, there's no B.J. Mackey or Melvin Watson, but they're, they got some players and they can gel. It's just, are they going to use this as, you know, are we going to st- – here we go. Am I st- are we going to still be in Groundhog Day? Are we going to sit here and see him beat Georgetown and Florida State and then lose to South Carolina State and then slosh their way through to, uh, and have some success and then lose to Vanderbilt but beat Kentucky and, you know, then get left out again? If it's the same old, same old season, I think Frank, me, you, God, Jesus, my mom, uh, Cliff Ellis, uh, you know, we're all, we all know what's going to happen. We all know there's a change, <laughs> and uh, and I think that's going to happen. All right, Keith, what, right before we go wrapping up, uh, I know you've got the lot on the Gamecocks podcast patron program. There's some great things coming up for you guys this week for a low price. You know, it's great content, great Gamecock content. I know I sell Gamecock content on the big spur, uh, but I always encourage everybody to, you know, spend the pennies a day to get as much – exposure to your favorite team as you can. So tell everybody how to sign up and what you have going on over there. Well, we had Brad Lawing uh, on Wednesday. We just had uh, Ben Portnoy uh, today uh, for our, our championship edition of the Friday Football Predictions. We dove deep into Clemson, reviewed the season, Ben and I gave our MVPs the the highs, the lows of the season, uh, what is to come. And we broke down, we predicted all the championship games. We have uh, great guests every single day, Monday through Friday. Uh, We have our Garnet and Black Town Hall, which will be on Wednesday night this week, uh, since i got to be in Dallas on Tuesday. Sometimes we have... uh, that guy that's the host of the uh, Inside the Gamecocks podcast pops on. And, uh, JC, we had almost 100 guys live uh, on Zoom Tuesday night. And uh, I got to believe we may have more than that this coming Tuesday as we get closer to National Signing Day. Uh, I'll be breaking down the class, looking at the commitments, the top targets on Monday's show. Got Ben Briner coming up, who does great work. It's your show. We had Hale McGranahan on Thursday. It was a big hail yes as hail he returned yes. to the show. Uh, you know, Augusta Stone, we have her, Colin Taylor, uh, Jamie Bradford, you, John Whittle, Hale McGranahan, the whole crew from the Big Spur on. Just a lot of really good guests every single day, Monday through Friday. You can follow me on Twitter at KLSEP, A-L-L-S-E-P. And you can find the homepage there. You can Google the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast, or you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, backslash Locked on the Gamecocks, all lower letters or lowercase, no spaces. Uh, And you can sign up uh, for basically the cost of uh, one cup of uh, Starbucks coffee per month thanks keith and i encourage everybody to go out there and uh 
uh, and sign up. That uh, when you get on that special Zoom call, it kind of looks like the Senate from Star Wars, with everybody sitting there looking, and you, you kind of look at people's faces and uh, kind of get a good feel for the fan base. And the information is always great, and everybody's awesome there. Thanks to High Help Consulting, who normally does the mailbag. IHelpConsulting.com. Uh, give Daniel Owens a call if you want to save money again. Uh, he, uh, shoot, he um, saved one business, 48000 50000 15000 Also sponsors my segment on JB and Goldwater each and every Wednesday, jbandgoldwater.com, 843-372-5713. Let Daniel know you wanted to save you some money, and if he can't save you money, you don't pay anything. Keith, really appreciate it, man. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I just want to wish you a great championship weekend. Wish you were sitting up here with me in the Windy City and we could knock a cold one back or so and watch it. But uh, one day I think we will. It's coming. No doubt about it, JC. No doubt about it, Keith. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. It's been Inside the Gamecocks podcast.